This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I still have trouble believing what happened yesterday afternoon in Orchard Park, New York. As I sit here this morning on another edition of the Steelers Standard, I am Tom Opperman. With me, as always, is Jacob Recht. And things were gloom for Pittsburgh Steelers Nation heading into Buffalo. I think a lot of people were hopeful that the Steelers would pull something off, but weren't expecting much going into a potential Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills to start week one but man did the Pittsburgh Steelers really impress you know I think a lot of people's vibe was let's just keep this game close you know let's let's go the whole Dallas Cowboys vibe where even though you lose to a really great team you can walk away from it and feel really good about your team while the Steelers went one step further and they won the game one and oh start to the season and I can't overstate just how massive of a win this is I mean Obviously, you win your first game of the year. That's great. Even if you lose your first game of the year, you got 16 more of these things to make up for it, and you're not in a hole by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you think you're going to be flirting with that seventh seed all year long, taking a win away from a team that you chalked up as a loss at the beginning of the year, I don't want to say they stole a win because I think, especially in the second half, they dominated that game against Buffalo. But in terms of I had this as a loss at the beginning of the year and now it's a win, they stole one back and that is huge for their playoff hopes. And it's it's crazy to say that after just week one, but I think it rings true. Yeah, it certainly seems, Tom, that or it certainly felt that after the first half performance by the Steelers compared to the second half, it did feel like a steal almost. Uh, You don't want to say the Steelers are that bad of a team and it was that big of an upset. It was an upset. But especially when you compare half to half, it's two different teams that you saw out there on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. The offense specifically was night and day in terms of production because in the first half alone, and we can get more into details later, you saw nothing. You saw zero points. You saw zero movement down the field. You saw zero running game getting involved. total yards. Yeah. I mean, it was night and day. The defense was as consistent as you could ask it to be. The special teams from the block punt to Chris Boswell was consistent as you could ask it to be. However, the offense really was what looked completely incapable of moving the ball down the field. It looked like, Tom, the offense that you saw at the end of the year to wrap things up when the Steelers went 1-4 and four down the stretch when they just could not move the ball down the field, except in the one win the one win that they had against the Colts in which they were capable of putting up 28 points. It's just, it's crazy to think that after scoring a zero in the first, they end up winning that game by scoring 23 points. Well, what do you do when you're struggling mightily as an offense? You rely on your elite defense and that elite defense showed up to play in this game, kept the Steelers in the game when they were struggling in the first half and then nearly pitched a shutout in the second half against the Buffalo Bills, surrendering only a field goal, letting the offense climb back into this game. Of course, the big special teams play, too, that we will get to in a little bit here. But keeping with that defense, Jacob, we previewed this game a lot on episodes last week of the Steelers Standard, and the one thing that we kept saying would be kind of some blind spots for an otherwise pretty much perfect Buffalo Bills roster you got to get pressure on Josh Allen. That offensive line isn't terrible, but it's certainly not anything to write home about. So make Allen feel very uncomfortable. 
and punch those balls because Buffalo, especially Josh Allen, has trouble with ball security. The Steelers' defense checked both those boxes and did so swiftly and mightily in this game, uh, especially with the pressure on Josh Allen. From the beginning of this game, Josh Allen was under duress constantly. Six holding calls against the Buffalo Bills' offensive line. Jacob, that's, been more too, that's as think. good as a sack for me, honestly. When you see all those holding calls, that just and and especially yard loss, ex- especially early on in the game when the Steelers weren't getting home to Josh Allen yet. But there was holding and holding. I knew that as this game wore on, this offensive line can't handle this pass rush. If they're holding now in the first quarter, just wait until they get a little gassed in the second half and the Steelers keep having that rotation. Highsmith, Ingram, uh, TJ, you know, all these guys coming in and throwing a hand in the pile. I knew that it was only a matter of time before they started to get home to Josh Allen. And (laughs) I mean, the the $80 million guaranteed man made that a fact when he stripped sack down and Man, he landed on top of him hard. That was a hit Allen definitely felt this morning when he woke up. Absolutely. And, you know, we can get more to TJ later, but that's why you pay that guy. That guy had an absolute field day against this Bills offensive line. And I think overall the Steelers had a, a, a field day. Tyson Alawalu had a lot of pressure. Cam Hayward, I think, was a sneaky defensive MVP uh, for this team. You constantly heard his name uh, when the ball was being snapped. Oh, Cam, here comes Cam Hayward, bull rushing. It, it was just, I knew the defense was good, Tom, and we saw this defense, or at least forms of it, because it's changed a little bit over the past two years or so. You see mostly the same names that you did two years ago when they first went up against the Bills in 2019. But I've never seen in, in the three years that the Steelers have gone head to head with the Bills in a competitive manner, something they have yet, something they hadn't done in a long time previous to 2019. I did not see a defensive performance like this the last two times the Steelers went up against this Bills offense. No, and in the narrative that a lot of people have been saying, including yourself, Jacob, is that I think on paper the Steelers defense might be better than the Steelers defense in 2020, and I think they took the step in the right direction yesterday as far as that's concerned. Proving that true, they're one for one in that category. Absolutely. I mean, yes, you look at the yards allowed, and it's a little bit more than what they are used to doing on the ground and in the air. Uh, Those ground numbers, little tricky though. They got gashed late by Singletary. They on a did. There were there runs. were two, but those two, still count. So. Two two rushes that I think totaled forty yards, yes. which I think would have brought them under the one hundred yard mark. Uh, yes. They finished over it for the day, but at that point the Steelers were up by ten points. There were less than what four three minutes remaining at that point. So the the Bills, I mean, yes, they were moving the ball down the field, but they were also keeping the ball. In bounds, they were they were running the clock down on their own uh, when they didn't need to be, and kind of sh- I mean kind of good gameplay I guess by Sean McDermott to have this potent passing offense, and guess I guess use that as the decoy because the Steelers were not prepared for those Singletary runs, and that's how they ended up getting those those last three points. But again, it, it came in garbage time. Time there were there were what forty nine seconds left something like that forty five seconds after they kicked their last field goal before the onside kick so you can say maybe it's garbage time because they still had to go down the field and and score another touchdown if they even recover their onside kick with no timeouts say what you want I still think regardless of those long two runs by Singletary at the end the defense did a phenomenal job I, I mean 
there's more than just one stat than, than yards allowed. And there are turnovers, and there are sacks, and there are quarterback pressures, and there are pass breaks up, pass breakups in the secondary and on the, on the defensive line. And they showed up in every single one of those aspects of the game. Yeah, I agreed that the total yardage, you know, you look at that and you can kind of get a little queasy about it, not too badly. But the fact that you only allowed this offense to get into the end zone one time in this game and in an entire half of football held them to just two field goals in the second half is a prolific performance. I mean, this is the offense last year that behind the Green Bay Packers averaged the most points per possession in the NFL. Top five pretty much in every single category that matters offensively other than running the ball of course but that was by design they chose not to run the ball last year but they were a prolific dominant offense i mean on paper the arguments were being made this offseason that are they actually a better offense than the kansas city chiefs i don't think that's the case yesterday i think proved that especially but that was the argument kind of being made and for the steelers defense to go out there and not let them into the end zone for an entire second half of football. Only let them into the end zone one time Once in this all game. Afternoon, yeah. That is a elite, dominating performance. And I think the Steelers wear the crown of the best defensive performance in week one. I don't think it's even a question. The team that's on the TV right now in our studio, the Arizona Cardinals, have a little something to say about that. But man, that Steelers shutting down that prolific Bills offense was was art. It was masterful performance from that unit. Yeah, on Sunday. We're, we're seeing Chandler Jones highlights right now. The guy had five sacks, which kudos to him. I mean, that's hard to do. I don't know if TJ's ever had five sacks in one game, but still the impact that TJ had on this team. Yeah, let's talk about TJ. You cannot, you cannot express enough how great it felt to go all week long. The first couple of days of, of last week when he was sitting out of practice or I guess not participating and hearing the national radio people or the national media people say well here again we have tj watt watch day he's not here he's not showing up that mean that must mean that talks are getting a little bit dicier in the rooney offices and then wednesday comes and he shows up to practice and he goes oh well i guess you know he can still be upset at them but show up if he if he wants to remain in shape for if he doesn't sign with the steelers he needs to be in shape for if, if, if another team comes and poaches him away and then Thursday comes, and he gets the deal done. And then Sunday comes, and he has arguably one of the better games of his career in terms of total impact. He had the two sacks. He had the strip sack. He had a lot of quarterback pressures. I mean, this is T.J. Watt making the case to say, day one, I am. my eyes are set on being the best defensive player. I'm I'm paid as if I am. Let me show you that I am. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, uh, three total tackles, two sacks, a tackle for a loss, two passes defend. Oh, excuse me, that's Hayward had the two passes defended. Uh, five quarterback hits from T.J. Watt. So he was in Josh Allen's grill constantly. And if you watch the game, go back and watch the game, or if you have a picture-perfect memory, mm. A lot of key downs for the Steelers' defense trying to get off the field. T.J. Watt was being held egregiously, getting the James Harrison treatment a little bit. That's going to happen. You know, when you're as prolific of a pass rusher as he is and you've just been dominating all game long, refs are going to start to give linemen the benefit of the doubt a little bit. And I, I understand Steelers Nation. I hear your collective outrage because I'm right there with you. I think it's BS that they do that. It's so obvious he was getting held almost all day long uh even though that the refs did call six holding penalties on the buffalo bills 
you might have been able to double that number, honestly. They were holding constantly in that game. And, and honestly, I don't know if I blame them because you got to protect your quarterback, especially when he's your franchise guy. And they were just getting beat on that line all day long. If they were not going to hold on those six plays, mm-hmm. I mean, Allen's going to get sacked like five or seven times in this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we were all witnessing, right, was T.J. Watt was being a force. Cam Hayward was being a force. A lot of guys were, were able to kind of eat up on this Bills offensive line. And, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Tom, that – had the holding calls kind of been a little bit less than if, or I guess had the bills not done their holding that they were called for or penalized for, then yes, this team easily could have totaled six, seven, maybe even eight sacks. And it's good to see too, that the holding calls were actually enforced because last year we saw the count of holding calls league wide tick way, way down than normal, way, way down than what the league average tends to be. And had that happened, had those holding calls, those six holding calls not been called, say you only get two or three, then we're in the studio this morning saying we may not we may not have won that game. It's possible that Seagulls could have lost that game because of the amount of yardage that the Bills were set back because of themselves. And that would have been an extremely frustrating thing to swallow, an extremely frustrating pill to swallow to know that the defensive performance across all 60 minutes was as solid as it was, but because the refs were not making the calls, it led to a, what could have been a Buffalo win. We knew that the line was going to dominate all year long. Uh, I don't know if we knew that it was going to be this dominant, especially without Stefan Tuitt as a feature member. I mean, that's scary to think about. If Tuitt can come back healthy and get plugged into this thing, that's the league is going to have nightmares about that. But yeah, with Ingram, Watt, Highsmith, up front, Alu Alu, and Hayward. I mean, the job was just tremendous from that group of, of gentlemen uh, on Sunday. But they were not alone as far as carrying the torch for the Steelers' defense. The secondary, which was a big question mark heading into this game, heading into this season. I, I don't want to you know sound like a homer here, but I, I think they kind of dominated in this game. I mean, look at Stephon Diggs. He had nine catches. That's a mm-hmm. lot of catches. Only 69 yards on those catches, 7.7 average. Stephon Diggs is an all-around wide receiver threat, but don't get it twisted. He's also a home run hitter. And the fact that he really didn't have that big take-the-top-off defense play is humongous for this team. 14 targets for him, and he only converted nine of them. And one of the things I was really impressive with, and this is on the secondary and the linebackers, anytime Cole Beasley caught the ball, he was right in there. the dirt. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he got five yards. Yeah, he got six yards. I think he had one catch for 11 yards, and that was his biggest play of the but day. But any time he caught the ball and tried to turn it upfield, which he does so well, boom, in the dirt, boom, in the dirt. And you really kind of neutralized him. Yes, he had eight catches for 60 yards, but it could have been a lot worse. He wants to catch those balls in those pockets and then take it for 10, 15-plus yards on the run, and the Steelers just did not let that happen. I mean, all-around performance – from the defense, but that secondary might have impressed me even more than the pass rush just because of how much of a worry it was for me heading into this game and how much they really, really dominated a great receiving core in the NFL. I was a little nervous at first time because there were two passes that were overthrown by Josh Allen. One was to Stephon Diggs. I think another one was to to Gabriel Davis. Uh, One of them to Diggs. I do feel what you're saying, but I think Edmonds had the coverage on that one behind him. Yeah, so you said that yesterday when we were when we were talking about it, when we were producing the game. But I think the other one was to Emmanuel Sanders, and uh, he was 
wide open. open. That was a touchdown that should have happened for Buffalo. No question. And so for me, I was initially concerned with the secondary because I thought to myself, how do these guys keep getting beat? I mean, I know, I know Stefan Diggs is an elite receiver, but Emmanuel Sanders is what 33, 34 years He's old. Up there. He shouldn't be outrunning Terrell Edmonds. He shouldn't be outrunning Minka or, or Joe Hayden. I mean, maybe Joe Hayden. No, but, really but not Cam because Sutton. Joe Hayden's right there with him. And right, age I guess so. Yeah. I guess they're pretty much even. He shouldn't be out, but he should definitely not be outrunning younger, much younger guys like no, Terrell, that's a Minka, and Cam there, Sutton. Yeah. Absolutely, I was concerned. But then the prowess of of Cam Sutton specifically, along with help from guys like James Pierre and Minka Fitzpatrick, just looming always, always around. I was, I did, we we talked about the 180 we did with, with the offense, and we'll get more into detail on that later. But the 180 I felt about the secondary was just as impressive to me. I really thought that this team was going to struggle covering, and then when Cam Sutton allowed that touchdown pass to Gabe Davis in the back of the end zone to end the to end the sec the first half, sorry, I thought, well, here's a ten nothing hole. I don't know if the Steelers could put up much more points, maybe a field goal, maybe two, and I bet you that Josh Allen can go out there and get his, his team another ten or fourteen points uh, through the air in the second half, and that just didn't happen. And yes, you can credit the defensive line for the job they did getting pressure, but as you said, Tom, equally deserving of 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 praise is the secondary for locking down on those receivers. Yeah, I mean, you never heard really Joe Hayden's number called. That's a, a phenomenal day for a cornerback. Mm -hmm. He did have one play where he went way up the ladder to try to make an interception, and I thought he was going to grab it, but it was I just, thought so too, just a little too high for him. But just an elite play by a guy as old as Joe yeah, Hayden. Yeah, I mean, he flashed the athleticism, mm -hmm. so if you were worried about him maybe losing uh, a little bit in that athleticism category, it didn't seem so on that play. Uh, Minka was solid. Terrell Edmonds was really solid in this game, but the guy who made the splash, like Mike Tomlin likes to say, was Cam Sutton. And it started right away after that big kick return by the Bills on second down on that possession. Little screen pass to Stefan Diggs, and Cam Sutton makes a great open field tackle for, I think it was even just a loss of two yards. I think yards. like a two yard loss. If he misses that tackle or if he gets taken on by the blocker and l allows himself to get blocked out of the play, I think Diggs probably gets into the end zone, if not close to the end zone there. Just such a prolific runner in open field he is. But, man, what a phenomenal tackle by Sutton, and that really set the tone for Sutton's game. Mm -hmm. Had a couple big pass breakups, another one on Diggs on a deep ball. And then, I mean, the Bills were kind of to blame equally for this one, but... Good on Sutton for recognizing that dumb swing pass on fourth down and just blowing it up 15 one of the, yards in the backfield. One of the worst play calls I've seen on a fourth down uh, conversion attempt. But, yeah, absolutely. Cam Sutton just sped. And it was almost like seeing a second version of Mika Fitzpatrick. I you mean, know what's weird about it? It's almost like they saw that on film, like how fast they sniffed that out. Mm -hmm. But that's impossible because that's the dumbest play ever. If it was on film anywhere, the entire country would know that. You'd be laughing about it, exactly. saying there's no way they run this play. Exactly. So it was so crazy, like you said, him being shot out of a cannon and just reading that play like he'd seen it in film study all week long. It was a beautiful, beautiful job. Uh, one play, too, that I think is underrated from Minka. I think the Bills actually got a first down eventually on this, but there was a Troy Polamalu play that he had where they were it – was, it was a little bubble pass or something – and they only needed to get like five yards, mm. and Minka came flying in from off screen. I think and made I think the they tackle. gained one yard, but still, the that's fact, what I mean. It was kind of I get what you say, where the camera 
you're you're seeing the offensive and defensive line, and you're seeing the pitch, or or, or the or, or the lateral pass, whatever it was, and then all of a sudden Minka Fitzpatrick's like in the middle of your screen tackling the guy. And my point is, if Minka's making plays like that, if Sutton's making plays like that on screens like that, that's a big deal because the NFL modern day loves to do those, get the ball quickly into a Tyreek Hill, into a Stephon Diggs's hand, and let, the guy and let run. them make a play, mm-hmm. almost like a running back. So if you've got Sutton and you've got Minka just blowing those up like it's nobody's business, they're going to really cause some headaches for offensive coordinators around the league for the rest of this year. I was just so pleased with everything that I saw. I guess the only thing I would say that isn't a negative, but just, you know, you didn't really hear from them was Devin Bush and Joe Schobert. But Devin Bush led the team in tackles, and Joe Schobert had like six or seven tackles himself. So it's not like they were slouches out there. You just didn't really see them make a big play, but you also didn't see them get exposed for a big mistake. So. Yeah, I think Joe Schobert actually got held on a on a big pass rush that could have led to a, a Joe Schobert sack. And if that had happened, then we'd be saying, sitting here saying, well, if Devin Bush led the team in tackles and Joe Schobert got a, ta- got a sack, then there's really, really nothing to complain about. Devin Bush— No, I'm not complaining about that. No, no, no. no. Right. It's just it's you're, we're riding so highly on TJ and the defensive line as a whole. i got to find something there where they we're, can we're, improve. We're, we're, we're praising so highly Minka and Cam Sutton. Yeah, you got to keep things, I guess, a little bit realistic and say, well, nobody's perfect. If I had to make one little note, it was just the fact that my inside linebackers didn't make the splash plays that the D-line did and that the secondary guys did. But even if they're not making splash plays, it doesn't mean they had a bad day. We're going to get to our standard stickers. Very original concept that I came up with mm-hmm. uh, to wrap up this segment and give ours out to the defensive players that of our choosing uh, a li- in a little bit here. But before we do, i got to get into special teams real quick because the biggest splash play came from the block punt by Miles Killebrew, scooped up by UG3 into the end zone. Proud of UG3 to get that moment. Guy that has been really working hard to keep himself on this Steelers roster the past couple years and found himself on it again in 2021, and it paid dividends already for Tomlin and company choosing to keep him as he scores the touchdown. But that's the kind of thing that upsets are made of. You know, you got to kind of win in the in the gray areas, and they were losing the special teams battle up to that point, especially with that opening kickoff return and a questionable punt from Presley Harvin as well. But that play, that block punt, that's the splash that Tomlin is talking about, and that's the thing that really can demoralize a favorite at their home stadium. Going up by 10 points, and your offense doesn't even have to get on the field. I mean, what a phenomenal job by Killebrew getting in there and blocking that punt and and just snagging that special team score and just really driving the stake in the Bills' heart. Because you know, Bill Steelers still could have won that game without that because you know they were up already and their defense was playing great they had just gotten their first lead of the day but you do not want to toy with that offense in a one score game that's an offense that you want to be up by two scores at least throughout that entire fourth quarter and they were able to get that job done on the block punt and then as we'll get into in another episode when we talk offense ben was able to seal the deal by getting them into field goal range but that block punt was just aces in my book and i hope you see a lot more special teams splash from the steelers this year but on the other side of that coin, there are some things they need to shore up. Mainly, you can't let the guy go 75 yards down the field to start the football game. I, I, I cannot have been more pleased to see that block punt. I think even though the Steelers had gotten the lead already, that was, the, that was what changed the pace of this game entirely was that block punt for a touchdown because it not only 
gave the Steelers or helped the Steelers get the lead, but it, it completely put them in in a position to win that game. But I'd like to just reverse track here a little bit, Tom, if I if I may, very quickly. The sequence of, of plays that happened for the Steelers before that that block punt happened was just incredible. And the in the sequence of, of drives. To the drive, the offensive drive before that for the Bills ended with that Cam Sutton fourth down stop of which he completely made the right read on that play. So that was amazing to see Cam Sutton do that. Then the very next drive, even though you're still down 6-10, to 10, that drive for the Steelers ended in the touchdown to Deontay Johnson. Probably the best touchdown of the day, if not for that block punt. What an incredible effort by Deontay to make that corner of the end zone catch. And then on that block punt drive, the very next drive for the Bills, the, the two plays before it were just incredible to me. Emmanuel Sanders was going, not necessarily wide open, but he, he had a, a step on James Pierre. And James Pierre, after immediately Emmanuel Sanders making contact with the ball, just did an incredible punch Stripped jab. Right out, yep. Pass breakup, incredible effort. The next play, Cam Hayward got the sack. And then the next play, UG3 got the the return touchdown. Just what a swing of events for the Steelers to be down so bad in the first half, only get two field goals in the second half up until that point. And then you have Cam Sutton with the fourth down stop. You have the Deontay Johnson touchdown. And then you have the James Pierre pass breakup, the Cam Sutton sack, and the UG3 touchdown. I mean, I, I, I have not felt that great about this team in such a short span of time watching one specific game than I did in that in that in that moment one little shout out before we give out our stickers i have to give is because mike tomlin would get super pissed at me if i didn't benny snell on that, on that punt coverage oh boy did he light somebody up and i saw mike tomlin smiling from ear to ear on the sidelines after he hit him yeah, that's kind of why benny snell made this football team honestly he brings so. it on special teams and you know tomlin loves those football players mm-hmm. not guys that have just you know a single position that they play, they can play football. And that's what Tomlin and, of course, John Gruden love about some guys in the NFL. Standard stickers time. I'm going to kick things off. I think TJ Watt's the obvious choice, but I'm not going to give mine to him. I'm going to give my standard sticker on week one to Cam Hayward on this defense. The captain, number 97. Can't blame you. He was just a dominating force. Even when he wasn't able to get home, he made life a living hell for that offensive line. Two passes defended, too. So he was getting hands up in Josh Allen's face, sacked Josh Allen once. And the thing that Cam Hayward does that a lot of people uh, don't recognize, I don't think, or at least, you know, it's, it's not easy to pick up on is he takes on so many bodies that it frees up the guys like Ingram to get on single coverage. It frees up the guys like TJ Watt to take on a single blocker because Cam Hayward's just in the middle taking two bodies on himself because he's such a force. So phenomenal job from the captain defensively. Week one, my standard sticker on the defensive side of the ball. I'm slapping it on the back of number 97's helmet. That's fair. I'm going to go with the guy that I think TJ Watt, as you said, is the flashy, easy choice. Cam, Cam Hayward, rather, is someone who should win a sticker every week because he is the captain, because he's one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. But my sticker has to go to Cam Sutton. I mean, this was the position battle that everyone was paying attention to coming into training camp was in the secondary saying, can Cam Sutton actually be a legitimate cornerback one? Can he be someone to just trail the the wide receiver one or wide receiver two and make an impact and shut a guy down? 
He had five tackles, two tackles for loss, two pass breakups. I mean, the guy did everything right today. I mean, yes, I know he allowed that touchdown, but that was a hell of a throw by Josh Allen and a hell of an effort by Gabe Davis to get both feet down. Cam Sutton provided as, as great of a coverage as you could ask for in the, in the back of an end zone. But regardless of that play, I still think Cam Sutton had the best day he could have asked for in terms of instilling confidence in himself for the rest of the season to say, I, I can do this. I'm not just going to be someone who slides into the nickel or slides into the dime when I'm asked to do it. I can be out there for every play when the defense is on the field. I think almost everybody on the defense could have deserved a standard yeah, sticker I, I agree for this you. week one performance. And again, I just want to say it's going to be scary when Stefan Tuitt gets healthy and gets oh, on that football field. Phenomenal effort from that defense as a whole in getting that win in Buffalo on week one. That's going to do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thank you, as always, for checking us out. Check out some of our older episodes or check out any of our newer ones at Steelers.com. Just go to the podcast page and click on Steelers Standard. You can subscribe to Apple or Spotify right there as well. So please hit those subscribes on both. Subscribe on both of them because we definitely need all the subscriptions that we can get. For Jacob Brecht, I am Tom Offerman. We will talk to you next time on our next edition of the Steelers Standard.